welcome to episode 65 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world of Avatar. I'm Andre. And I'm Kayla. And this week, we will be continuing our recap of season three of Avatar The Last Airbender with episodes 316, The Southern Raiders, and 317, The Ember Island Players. As always, potential spoiler warning for both Avatarverse TV shows, the Kyoshi novels, Katara and the Pirate Silver, and Suki alone. Before we get into the news and the recap, Kayla, how's it going this week? Pretty good, actually. You know, we had a... We had a little hiatus last week for Thanksgiving, which is mm-hmm. good, uh, all things considered, with my gigantic family and high stress levels amongst social gatherings. But by the time that this episode will be released, I will be on vacation. So I'm very excited for said vacation. Uh, yeah. Much needed. And by the time I get back, I will have my avatar tattoo. So I'm very excited about that. And you're done with the semester. I'm done with the semester. Yes, I'm so I'm so relieved. Oh my god, it's been a really stressful semester, but it's done now. I have one more semester and then I graduate in May, which I'm very excited about, and then I join the real world. Huh. That's a little scary to think about. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. How about you? How are you doing? <laughs> let's not think about adulting. Let's, let's talk about Avatar. That's what we do. Let's do our escapist uh, podcast about a children's TV yeah. show. Um, no, I'm doing good. I had a pretty good Thanksgiving. It was my first Thanksgiving where I did, you know, like multiple Thanksgivings in one day. Um, Ooh, fun. Yeah, because it was my first Thanksgiving uh, being in a relationship with someone. So that was interesting. Aww. But it was still fun. It was still fun. Just a little stressful. But yeah, it sounds yeah, like I had a much needed... Uh, break not just from the podcast but from work as well just things have been crazy lately and we're ramping up into christmas yes um this is our first time recording during like december we didn't do that last year we were on hiatus last year yeah that's right we didn't yeah but now we get to see like now uh those of you who are on patreon and have the access to our video you can see how awesome andre's christmas setup is in his recording station (laughs) with all of his (laughs) Like decorations and stuff. He's like the king of decorating. Meanwhile, yes. my decor stays the same stays pretty much year round. Year round, <laughs> baby. No, you have the yeah. rainbow Christmas tree. It's just not I in the do. room. It's just not in the room. It's over in my kitchen slash living room because I live in a small apartment. So, <laughs> so it's over there. It, I have one Christmas thing. <laughs> awesome. Hey, it's more than enough. Okay. Exactly. It's something, right? Did you get your um, Spotify wrapped? I did. And I'm not surprised by the results at all. <laughs> <laughs> at all uh my number one artist was kesha which that's fine by me i fucking love kesha like i have no shame in that <laughs> love that love that so, what, were, what were some of your tops for the well wrapped? my spotify wrapped is always um not accurate because i share it with my sister mm. um so <laughs> i and i always forget that because i'm like I, I don't listen to Doji Cat. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's my sister. But literally, she's such she's the biggest Billie Eilish stan. Like, a three out of the five top songs were Billie Eilish songs. And I was like, I swear to God, I've never listened to any of these in my life. Um, my number one song, I could not <laughs> fucking believe it. My number one song was the Jeff Bezos song from Bo Burnham's Inside. No. <laughs> I could not believe it. And oh, it was and I know why it was because that one week where I was just obsessed with that song. And you know, it's only like 50 seconds long, right? Yeah. And I would I was I'd be crazy just walking around with it on repeat because it's just so catchy. I mean, here's the thing. Bo Burnham was the number one artist for a lot of people on my feed. I so know. Yeah. You're not alone in that. Yeah. I know a lot of people were very uh surprised, but yeah, that was I can't believe that's my number one song. My number one song, unfortunately, I listen. I mean, well, it's not unfortunately because I like listening. I, I listen to music when I go to bed, like when I go to sleep. So, uh, my top two songs were songs that I would listen to to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number one song for the year was "Like a Little Town" from Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Mm-hmm. I just love that song in general, so I have no shame in that. And then my second one is "May It Be" by Enya. Okay. So, like, <laughs> Well, I mean, speaking of Spotify Wrapped, we got our Spotify Wrapped for the podcast, and we're yes. up 388% in streams. You know what that is? Growth. Growth. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was so hilarious to me. I don't know why. It was just such an outlandish number. I'll take it. I mean, we have a running joke between us of, like, whenever we have some achieve some sort of milestone on the podcast, I always send the same gif every time of Paul Rudd saying, <laughs> Hey, look at us. Who would have thought? thought? 
not me. me. Just like, <laughs> and it could be anything. It could be like literally the smallest stupid thing. The smallest like, achievement. You know. Like, oh, we got an iTunes review. Sends the Jeff. Oh, we got a DM. <laughs> sends the Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Just any sort of. I mean, you know what? It's good to celebrate small victories. Okay, it is. But it is. We really appreciate every single person who's joined the you know little Avatar uh, yeah, Avatar Hour family that we've cultivated over the last year of the podcast. You know, we're really yeah. We're really we're really proud of our growth, and we're just more happy than like the statistics is just showing how much people like our content and like you know connecting with us like that means more to me than like any like statistic about how the podcast is doing like every yeah. dm that we get or email from a fan that's you know i have some thoughts on what you said on the podcast like here's i think this thing could be cool to discuss like that means so much to us. Like you have no idea. Well, and just the fact we were also getting DMs from people saying, "Hey, you were you were my number one podcast, or you were in my top five of most listened to podcasts." Like that is just like amazing. Like we love that, and it and it is too. Like because the podcast is, it's a lot of work, and it really makes it all worth it to know that we're at least making some positive change in some people's lives because the world is dark and scary. And I know, at least for me, the podcast I listen to in the past have gotten me through a lot of turbulent times in my life. And yeah, we're just so happy that we have such a great listener base and and yeah. who are willing to reach out to us week to week to talk about the episode that we just released. Like, that's oh, it's just crazy. So but I can't I can't wait to see what the next year looks like for us. You like us. You really like <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah, I love it. All right, enough of the mushy stuff. Enough of the, the mushy gushy. Um, <laughs> so we have um, some news. Um, a new Korra comic titled The Legend of Korra Patterns in Time was announced by Dark Horse Comics. And this new comic will feature a collection of stories centering around the characters of The Legend of Korra. Here's the official synopsis. Your favorite characters from Team Avatar and beyond are here in this collection of stories from the heartwarming to the hilarious. Join Korra, Asami, Mako, Bolin, Tenzin, and more familiar faces from The Legend of Korra featured in stories specially crafted by a bevy of talented comic creators. Um, and the this comic... cover of this looks awesome. Oh, the co- oh my God. The cover is beautiful. I'm looking, at the, I'm looking at the cover art. That is beautiful. I put it in the doc because it's that beautiful. Like, it's oh so, my God. We don't, a lot of, we don't put a lot of images in our docs, just so no. you know that. Like, no. the Fandom Corner is usually the only, like, picture that we have, if any, if the Fandom Corner involves a picture. So, like, that mean, that's saying something. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just really beautiful. And it's a style that we haven't really seen with Avatar. Because normally the the covers of the comics are generally in the style of the animated shows, but this seems it's like almost kind of like hyper realistic, almost. Or, you know, kind of reminds me a little bit of like a lot of the fan art that I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, that's not derogatory at all because fan art. No, is no, not at all. <laughs> no, yeah. So props to um who designed this cover. It was amazing. Yeah, I wonder if like some of these like stories in the collection are going to be some stuff from like Free Comic Book Day over the years too. Like, that might be a good chance to put some of these stories in there. I mean, actually, right here on my desk, <laughs> I have a Legend of Korra. Oh, well, there you go. Free comic book day. Story centering around Tenzin. Actually, it's Tenzin and Aang. Oh, that's right. to young Tenzin and Aang. So yeah. that's really cool. So that would be cool to see some of those free comic book day stories. But either way... I yeah. am just excited for more Korra content. Well, yeah, me too. And I'm excited that it it seems to be uh, centering around all the characters. I mean, I don't know how centered the characters are in the Korra comics, um, but it's I'm excited to get, you know, more with Mako Bolin and Tenzin, you know, because we know yeah. that Korra and Asami are largely at the center of the comics. I don't know if they get any, you know, side stories or side arcs, but but yeah, and more familiar faces. So we don't know what that could mean. Probably Janori, Iki, Milo. Maybe one on Lynn. That would be cool. I would love that, actually. You know? Like, I think that could be really cool. Lynn's one of my favorite characters from the show, so... Yeah. yeah. I would love to get um, maybe more between Korra and Zuko, you know? Because the small interactions they have in the show are, like, probably my favorite scenes. Yeah, so I'm interested to see what this um, is going to entail. Don't know when we'll actually get to this, but this comic uh, will be released on April 13th, 2022. And it is actually written by Brian Konitsko and Michael DiMartino. So while they're hard at work with their 20-year plan for Avatar Studios, they're still writing (laughs) comics for Dark Horse, which we love. Good for them. Good for them. Booked and blessed. (laughs) Love that for them. But yeah, super excited for that. 
And um, we have some news for the podcast. Since we are nearing the end of our Avatar The Last Airbender recap, we wanted to highlight that by doing a special live stream episode for our final Atla recap episode ever. It's been a minute since we did a live stream. This is really special. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, d- we didn't get a chance to do one last season, but I think this is a really appropriate time to do one because this is a huge benchmark for us uh, as a podcast. Yeah, it's kind of like a bittersweet thing, you know? This is the, the show that started everything, Yeah, you know? For... Yeah, absolutely. And that's it's what we've been doing for the last three season so yeah. yeah and it's also crazy to think speaking of our spotify rat we re- we've recorded t- almost 2500 minutes of content for the podcast that is insane to me <laughs> absolutely <laughs> it does not feel like that at all no god no but yeah so this means that you can tune in as we record the podcast and send in feedback and we can shout you out on the show in real time to answer any questions, thoughts, theories, and anything about Avatar, whether it be, you know, about the recap or just, you know, Avatar in general. This live stream episode will be covering parts three and four of Sozin's Comet. So parts one and two will be the week before as a regular recap episode. We're super excited to do this. This will be taking place December 15th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, December 15th, 8 p.m., Eastern Standard Time. Okay. We'll probably be spamming our socials with, you know, links and stuff like that. Um, as soon as we set up the live stream, we're going to stick that link into our link tree uh, that's available in all our bios for our socials. So um, you'll be able to save the link to the live stream. And when the time comes, you can just pull it up and join us. And if you can't make the live stream, if that date or time doesn't work, um, the episode will be posted as normal the following Tuesday everywhere you listen to the show. So that'll be really exciting. Again, December 15th, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard. Put it in your calendars and we hope to see everyone there. All right. Are you ready to get into the recap, Caleb? This is going to be just such emotional whiplash between Southern Raiders to Ember Island players. Like, I'm ready, though. We're going to have some good stuff to talk about for sure. Definitely. So uh, let's do 316, the Southern Raiders. We start the episode with Azula attacking the Western Air Temple and forcing the gang to evacuate. While the kids split up with Hakoda, Teo, Haru, and others, Zuko takes the opportunity to face Azula one-on-one as the gang escape on Appa. Azula and Zuko end up blowing each other off the airship from where they're fighting, and Zuko manages to escape with the gang. I mean, the fact I just love the part where Zuko's like, she's not going to make it, and then it's like, oh, of course she does. Yeah. Like- <laughs> I think it's funny, but I also think, I mean, do you think that Zuko was like actually concerned that she wasn't going to make it? Yeah. There was like a hint of like regret in there, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think that's really interesting. And also we mentioned in like the last recap about, you know, after uh, Tylee and May turn on uh, Azula, how she, you know, kind of that informs her decision to go after the gang in the next episode. And she definitely seems a little more unhinged than usual. She says, she says like, well, like, like, you know, I'm about to celebrate becoming an only child. Like, yeah. wow. Yeah. That's like dark even for her. A little unhinged. <laughs> Brings five airships <laughs> to attack yeah. a small group of, oh my God. But he was like, she went from like, you know, they'll be back, you know, she's waiting for them to come to her. Mm-hmm. And now it's because now I think she's honestly her faith in herself and her ability to know people has kind of been shaken at this point. Too. I think so, too. I think this is all coming from a place of self-doubt. Yeah, I agree. And, I, I, and Azula hates that. Yeah. So she's like, I need to take control of the situation. Let's just blow them up. Yeah. <laughs> so the team camps out near an uninhabited beach where Zuko is noticing some hostility from Katara. Um, it's not just noticing. It's just, it's it's been there. <laughs> it's been there. Um, it's been there. More than usual, I would say. More than usual. After yeah. dinner, he follows her, wondering what her reasons are for her cold attitude towards him. Um, he tries to talk to her, saying that it's not fair uh, that she doesn't trust him when everyone else does. And Katara lashes out, saying that she was the first one to trust him in Bossing Say, but he betrayed her trust. And, I mean, she has a very good point here. Which we've talked about that. We've talked about it, but I don't think it was... I don't think Zuka's approach in saying, well, everyone else trusts me. Why can't you? I don't think that was the way to go. He's learning. <laughs> I mean, he's definitely, I think, more comfortable in speaking his mind 
more around yeah. them, you know. And also, like, you see him, like, you know, he makes a joke at the campfire that, like, makes them laugh. It's like, you know, hey, if you want to be like old times, I can chase you around again. Like, yeah. And his thing, it wasn't just like, it wasn't like earlier where he was struggling to tell a tea joke. Like, yeah, he was struggling a little bit here, but he had just to make the group laugh. Most of the group, at least. Yeah, there's it's little moments like that that shows that he's he feels like he's assimilated a lot more into the group. He feels more comfortable with them. Yeah, absolutely. Zuko asks what he can do to make it up to her, um, but she angrily angrily tells him either he can reconquer Bossing Say in the name of the Earth King, or bring her mother back. Um, and she walks off to her tent, leaving Zuko alone. Um, we cut to <laughs> Zuko entering Sokka's tent to talk. And he seems to have walked into probably the most sexually ex- explicit scene in the entire Avatar series as Sokka has laid out a very romantic spread in the tent waiting for Suki. Rose in his mouth and everything. <laughs> like, yeah. Hello. Everything. <laughs> oh. And I was just, just thinking. Zuko's face. Yeah. The way it drops. Yeah. Like. And I was just thinking, God, the amount of Zuka <laughs> fan fiction that was probably written about this specific moment. Like, oh, what yep. would have happened if Zuko stayed? You know, like, oh my god, I can I can only imagine. Um. <laughs> but also, just like Suki, like kind of like here out outside the tent. Oh, do you want to go? And, like, and Zuko's completely yeah, outside Zuko. Zuko's completely oblivious to this. Just be like, oh, do you want to go talk to Sokka too? She's like, oh, no, 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 fine. She just walks off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, God. Um, uh, yeah, that always that rocking, always gets me. <laughs> <laughs> that always gets me. <laughs> Um, Zuko asks Sokka to tell him about the death of his mother. So, you know, a real... Yeah, it's um, like complete mood break. <laughs> real 180. Yeah, the mood's definitely gone. Ooh. He asks him this because he thinks Katara might be taking her anger over the loss of her mother out onto him. Um, Sokka informs Zuko that the Fire Nation attacked their village six years, six years prior. And although the attack was short and the invaders soon retreated, they discovered that their mother had been killed. So, I mean, there have been allusions before this um, about, you know, the Fire Nation... Well, not illusions, flat out people saying that the Fire Nation <laughs> the killed Fire their Nation mother. Killed my mother. Um, <laughs> but this is the episode where we find out, like, why, you know? Um, and I think it's really interesting how we revisit this flashback from three different perspectives, which we'll talk about more in the episode. Um, Zuko asks Sokka if he can identify any specific details about the soldiers, and Zaka, uh, Sokka says that um, the lead ship was flying a flag with a sea raven on it, and Zuko recognizes this as the symbol of the Southern Raiders. So the next morning, Zuko tells Katara that he knows who killed her mother and can help her find him. When both of them approach Aang to borrow Appa and tell him where they're going, Aang tries to dissuade Katara from going, saying that revenge is never the answer and that she needs to embrace forgiveness. Katara refuses to listen and says that forgiveness for the man who killed her mother is an impossibility. The whole time I was watching this, I was like, do you do we think Aang has forgiven the Fire Nation for killing his people? You know, because it's kind of like I'm I'm interested that no one brought that up because, I mean, he flat out said, like, I know exactly how you're feeling. How did you how did you think I felt finding out that the Fire Nation wiped out all my people? And I was thinking, well, but did you forgive the Fire Nation? Yeah, but I mean, forgiveness means a lot of different things, you know? That's true. Like, I, I don't know. I think in Aang's case, I think he had to forgive himself. Yeah, I think it was more so about forgiving himself than forgiving the people who massacred his yeah. culture. But do you think, I mean, where where do you stand in this, uh, um, you know, kind of disagreement over like revenge and forgiveness and stuff between Aang and Katara? I don't know, because forgiveness is still something I'm trying to figure out myself. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, of what's happened to me in the past. Like, I have really no idea what forgiveness really means for me. And I feel like it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't really have a good answer for this, honestly. Uh, but where I stand in the Angkatara thing... You don't have to necessarily pick a side. I just wanted to pick your brain about it. I don't know, because I could see... I can see both. I can see both. And I think both are both sides make good points, you know, mm-hmm. wanting to find closure versus like, you know, finding peace within yourself you right. know, to move forward from what happened to you, you know? Yeah. And I like, think I definitely I, I mean, at least for me growing up, forgiveness was taught to me as the only means to reach closure 
over something. And that once someone forgives you, there should automatically be closure that you've apologized and you're not supposed to bring it up again. That's what I was taught. And it took me, you know, going off on my own to college and just growing up in general to realize that, no, that's actually a really toxic way of viewing forgiveness because you can say you can apologize all you want, but that person does not have to forgive you just because you you apologized. Exactly. You know, know, I mean, it's like, you know, you break a glass, like apologize to the glass. But if that do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the 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 feelings are still hurt, even if you say like you're sorry. The damage is done. The damage (laughs) is done. Exactly. And well, yeah, the an apology is the first step to um, coming to terms with something. It's not the only way to come to terms with something. Yeah. And I had something happen a couple of months ago that was something that was so out of nowhere. And I've been struggling ever since to reach closure over it. Um, it, it, I just had a falling out with a friend over something and, you know, I was blocked, deleted all the things. And I, there was no way I could like reach out to try and like see what happened or try to mend fences or anything. So, Trying to find closure over something that happened in that way is also extremely difficult, you know, because you kind of have to live with the fact that you're probably not ever going to get either an apology or an explanation, you know. But I think in Katara's case, I definitely think that I don't think Katara has been given the tools or really the time to process what happened to her mom and i think she's her family too and her family like exactly the effect that it's had on their family and i think that the way she's processed it is to we've talked about this before to take on um the motherly duties of the tribe or whatever or to become more like her mother because maybe in some small way that's how she keeps her mother alive you know yeah Um, i mean you know Sokka says whenever i picture my mother i imagine katara you know like, exactly. And I'd really love to pick someone's brain, someone who specializes in, um, you know, counseling people who are going through grief, especially children, to see what the reactions are like when something like that really happens. That's a really good episode idea. We, like, if, if any of our listeners are counselors or if anyone knows any mental health experts that are also fans of the show, yeah. like, we would love to do a therapy episode of Avatar, like, talking about it. Yeah, there's a lot of mental health issues in Avatar. <laughs> so much. But it would be such a cool episode, though. It would. Oh, my it would. God. Yeah. Keep just, just, just putting it out in the universe now so that way we can make this happen. Because I, now I really want to do an episode on that. Mm-hmm, definitely. Oh my god. And I, I even have some misgivings about how Katara ultimately comes to terms with a, with what happened to her mom. I, in my opinion, I don't think facing, I'm going to call them the abuser. I don't necessarily always think that confronting and facing your abuser is the way to heal. I think no. for some people, some people maybe. it is though. Because like yeah. you see, I mean, like here's the thing: in the case of Cora, Cora confronting Zahir did help her. True, you know, yeah. But that does not work for everybody. It doesn't, and that's work not for always everybody. the right thing to do. Like, at least in my experience, I know it does work for some people. In my experience, it has kind of had the opposite effect. Yeah, for myself and for people in my life, facing someone who has caused a certain amount of trauma or abuse, um, yeah, in in some respects, kind of only makes the trauma more traumatic visible <laughs> i don't know yeah. like and i don't want to be insensitive because i know that i know again it does work for some people but my personal experience i guess that's why i had their, that this reaction to how kotara ultimately comes to terms with it because she had to see the person who killed her mom to come to terms with the fact that you know this person is not worth killing you know yeah so and like also in my case too with confronting you know abuse in my life like the person that abused me never really believed that she abused me yes like and yeah. that uh that's the worst part like the ones like for them it was just like you know the axe forgets the tree remembers kind of thing yeah and you i know? think that's why i feel like it hasn't worked for me exactly you know same here yeah just, just really interesting stuff and we'll we'll touch on it more once that conversation um actually does happen but needless to say, I mean, I can definitely see both sides of where each character is coming from. I don't love Zuko, like, making fun of Aang and, like, his, like, Air Nomad goody two-shoes, whatever shit that he was yeah. talking about. Not, I think, not cool, buddy. But. Not cool. Not And I, I, 
I don't like it, but it's also just him being more comfortable because there there is no way he would have said any of that stuff like even three episodes ago, you know. Yeah. And I I think also weird side note, but I think Avatar Wiki said that this is the first episode where Katara actually, or sorry, Zuko actually says Aang and Katara's name. Oh right. So that's interesting, huh. but huh. yeah. So. Anyways, later that night, Katara and Zuko prepare to take Appa without Aang's consent, um, but Aang catches them in the act and confronts them, and he ultimately allows him to take Appa, believing that it is a journey Katara needs to take, but he pleads with her to choose forgiveness rather than revenge. Katara thanks him for understanding, and then they depart. And then Sokka apparently needs Momo for a week, and he doesn't know why. Um, I thought that was funny. On the way to Whaletail Island, Katara recalls when she lost her mother um, to the Fire Nation and how she found her being questioned by a soldier. Katara runs out to get Hakoda, but by the time they return, the Fire Nation soldier has disappeared and Kaya has been killed. Um, so this is the second flashback that we get from a different perspective. And Zuko comments that Kaya was a very brave woman and Katara holds her mother's necklace um, in reminiscence and agrees. So yeah, I mean, this was... I think even a little more heartbreaking than Sokka's just because we saw we d- we didn't know that Katara was in in the room in the room in the room, in the room where it happened like we didn't know yeah. that part you know so it it was it just ugh, God it gets to I you I can't even imagine because like it happened in her home like yeah. you know I you know, and like, especially after something bad happens, like that traumatic and awful happens. Like, I can't even imagine what it must have been like to like stay, like, you know, go to bed that night in the same house. Like if she did sleep in the same yeah. house that her mother was murdered in or still lives there. Like, exactly. It's it's really dark. <laughs> yeah. Um. Upon finding the Southern Raiders ship, Katara sends most of the crew overboard with the massive wave. Oof. All of her water bending is enhanced by the full moon, by the yeah. way. In case y'all forgot, it's a full moon. Yeah, the two proceed to the main control room to capture the ship's cat- captain, whom Katara quickly subdues with bloodbending so Zuko can properly interrogate him. This whole episode is just Zuko being like, oh my god, she was right. She could definitely have killed me very easily. <laughs> there's like, the, yeah, there's you know. been so many memes about like Zuko's reaction to the bloodbending. Blood but he gets over it pretty quickly. He was like, oh yeah. shit. <laughs> He's like, okay, fine, let's just get this job done. Uh, he's like, I but, didn't even know this was a thing. And also, like, I mean, here's the thing. Like, Katara was already scary enough when she said, like, you give me one reason to doubt that you are going to, you know, like, like one reason to doubt your, like, your change and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And you, know, go, you know, I will, I will kill you, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. that's, yeah. Like, and she could and she would. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> As we see in this episode. <laughs> After Katara realizes that he is not the man who killed her mother, Zuko interrogates the captain and the two learn that the Raiders' last commanding officer, Yan Ra, retired four years earlier. So Katara and Zuko find him, confront him, and we then see Yan Ra's perspective of the day Kaya died. And we learn that the Southern Raiders were tracking down the last waterbender in the Southern Water Tribe. Wishing to save her daughter, Kaya lies to Yan Ra by claiming herself to be the last waterbender. Instead of taking her prisoner, he chose to outright kill her. Enraged, Katara reveals that she, not Kaya, was the last southern waterbender and bends the droplets of rain around them to form icicles. And fucking stops the rain around them. Yeah. It is so metal. And <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I had to freak out a little bit at that part. Like, whoo. Yeah. Scary. And again, Zuko's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, she, she like turns the rain into icicles and launches them at Yanra, but. At the last second, um, she stops them and uh, they just turn to water. Terrified, Yanra pleads for his life and Katara tells him she always wondered what kind of man could do such a terrible thing, but understands now that she sees him. She calls him a weak, pathetic, and empty human being whom she cannot bring herself to kill for revenge. Katara and Zuko depart, leaving Yanra sobbing in the rain. And also, like, he said, you should kill my mother. Like, that would be a fair trade. Oh, like, God, yeah. I mean... That was low. We see that he's his mother is, like, pretty horrible. But, I mean, it's yeah. not... That's still pretty... That's still a pretty low... Yeah, not know, an excuse say, at all. Too. Yeah. And also, like, it wouldn't be the same pain. It, exactly, well. exactly. I can't remember if we've talked about this, and I don't remember if it was mentioned in the Puppet Master episode. Do we know why the Fire Nation was going... After all the waterbenders? Probably because they couldn't go after the Northern Water Tribe just yet. So, you know, go after the next set of elements, you know. Because remember, I mean, that also probably another thing 
would be a like weaken them so they wouldn't have their you know water benders uh-huh. to fight against them in the poles, but also like if they think like, yeah they think the avatar is dead they you know maybe there's a chance that like the avatar reincarnated into a waterbender that's too. what i was thinking but again that that plan is so fucking stupid because what are you going to do you're just going to keep killing benders from every nation like it's, <laughs> it's so stupid yeah i know yeah that i i would say probably yeah weakening the nations um is probably yeah. i mean like what they they did you know in season 1 uh with like haru and everything like occupying villages to make sure that all the earthbenders were captured and contained, you know? So yeah, I definitely think that's it, but I can't remember if there was like a canon explanation for it. Um, But yeah, I mean, how do you, how do you feel about what Katara said about she couldn't bring himself herself to kill someone like (laughs) as basically as weak and pathetic as this person? Yeah. Um, I think also like, especially, I think, I mean, also with her saying that she, couldn't kill him and she couldn't forgive him either. Yeah. Like, I think that's, doesn't that doesn't happen a lot in, anim- in like, kids' shows of, like, no. you know, choosing not to forgive someone. Yeah. Like, yeah, that doesn't happen. I think that's a pretty big moment right there. Um, I think it's a big moment think, because it supersedes our expectations. Because yeah. we had the whole thing, the whole diatribe by Aang of, like, how you need to choose forgiveness. And there's an expectation that Katara will ultimately do that because she's a good guy. And, you know, we know that in like deep down, she's a loving and caring person. Um, yeah. But I think it's more also, powerful. Like the, dichotom- like, the, like the two, like two opposing, the two very stark opposites of mm-hmm. killing him, getting revenge and forgiving him. There's a two, that's a pretty striking binary right there. Yeah. And she, she ends up going with something in the middle. She doesn't kill him, but she doesn't forgive him either. But she still gets to confront him. And she him. says that she, like, physically and mentally can't do it. But I think she also, deep down, knows that killing him is not going to bring her peace. Because I don't think she's that kind of person. No. I don't think that's the kind of person Katara is. And I think deep down, she knows that it won't bring her peace. Peace. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. The fact that she enables herself to come to terms with the fact with with not forgiving him and not killing him like i think it's that's an extremely mature and strong decision especially by a 15 year old you know yeah yeah definitely a lot of interesting things that we got to see with katara in this episode and her characterization and i and i don't even think the episode even implies that she's still fully processed her mother's death either but this is was a giant step in her road to healing from that. You know, I definitely think like they did not imply that everything's fine and dandy now that she feels so much better about it, you know. But she did say that she was ready to forgive Zuko. So that's where the forgiveness comes in, you know. Yeah. Um, Results of a life-changing field trip with Zuko. <laughs> exactly, because that's part of forgiving someone is, you know, them doing the work to earn that forgiveness, you know? Mm -hmm. And the fact that Zuko took the time to work on finding out who did this, helping Katara find the person, like, that's proving to Katara that he actually cares about her, you know? Yeah. So... I was gonna say that. Also, like... I don't know what exactly it is that Zuko like. It's like each each episode that we have like one of the members of the gang going off at Zuko because it it also shows like further cements his role within the gang, right? You know, like I'm, I don't know how to put my finger on it, but like I feel like Zuko kind of provided a bit of a spot for her to like feel and go through her pain a little bit more, right? Like she didn't have to like take care of in the gang. Does that make sense? You know, this is the case where she's got more space to ex- express her all of her pain and trauma and all that stuff. Because Zuko knows plenty about that himself, too. <laughs> I mean, we all know trauma, but you know what I mean. Yeah, if you look at the overarching themes of all of these field trips, they're essentially addressing, not necessarily fixing, but addressing a major insecurity in each character. For Aang, it was him not wanting to be violent with firebending and having to learn what the true meaning of firebending is. For Sokka, he feels insecure about his role in not only his family, but in the war and his relationship with his father and how he feels like a failure. And rescuing his father addressed that, you know? Yeah. And for Katara, it was addressing this unresolved trauma with her mother's death and her connection between the Fire Nation and the worst day of her life. You know, so and also kind of like uh, in some kind of ways, it also kind of mirrors a little bit Zuko confronting uh, Ozai a little bit. 
tiny bit. Oh, definitely. A little bit. And and I, I even thought that when we were watching the episode. I think the reason that Zuko is so with Katara on this is because he is, I'm sure, thinking about Ozai in the situation. Like, he could never forgive Ozai for what he did, you know? So to hear Aang being like, you have to choose forgiveness over revenge, where he's like, well, this guy brutalized me and traumatized me and took my mother away from me. How am I supposed to forgive that, you know? So, and, we're, and I'm interested to see if that theme of forgiving yourself um, is addressed at all in the comics, um, because we don't have a lot of time to do that in the show. But I think what Zuko does do and this is jumping ahead a little bit but I think he does end up forgiving himself for the way he treated Iroh and the part that he played in that which we see it with that that does get addressed in the next episode right right and yeah so I'm interested to see if if that's touched on at all in the comics in relation to Ozai but yeah so a very <laughs> heavy episode um there's a last but we got we got through it well there's a last yeah, there's a last little bit here um Katara waits on a dock on Ember Island for the rest of the group to arrive on Appa. Aang tells Katara that he is proud of her for choosing the right thing by forgiving. And she says that she didn't forgive Yanra, but she did. She can forgive Zuko. Zuko tells Aang that he was right about what Katara needed, and Aang reaffirms that violence is never the answer. Whoa. Zuko turns to the Avatar and asks what he is going to do when he faces Ozai. But yeah, so that's 316, the Southern Raiders. We will be back with 317, the Ember Island players, after this quick break. We'll see you guys then. Hey everyone, Andre here. Before we get into the second half of the episode, we just wanted to remind everyone to check to make sure you are following the Avatar Hour podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if that platform has a rating system, please consider leaving us a review and some feedback. With subscribers and reviews, it allows us to reach future listeners and help the podcast grow in the long run. Thanks for listening, and now back to the show. All right, and we're back with 317, the Ember Island players, a.k.a. the big 180 in this episode, because <laughs> holy shit, that was a dark episode before this one. Let's have some fun. <laughs> this is essentially the, the, the show's clip episode uh-huh. in a very creative way, like, you know, very creative and awesome way. So let's get started. This is our reaction. This is also, I got to say, I'm going to make plenty of references to the live action movie that must not be named because <laughs> some of the reactions are very similar to the Ember Island players that it is to uh, that mm-hmm. movie. So just bracing yourselves now, just in case, just, just a trigger warning, mentions of live action Avatar. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen people um, do videos where they Photoshop scenes in from oh, yeah. the live action movie and the characters' reactions. It. Yeah. All right. So we have returned to Ember Island for a little training trip before the final battle. Uh, they're at the old beach house that Zuko's family used to stay in when their fam- when his family was actually happy, as Zuko puts it. Mm-hmm. So, yay. Emotional trauma references. Uh, Sokka and Suki come back from town with a poster for a play ca- about them called The Boy in the Iceberg, a.k.a. the first episode of the damn series. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that like one of the sources for the <laughs> material for the play is the cabbage merchant. Yeah. Like, I love that. <laughs> that explains so much. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Zuko is not too happy once he hears the name of the group that's putting on the show because apparently the Ember Island players always butcher love amongst the dragons every year. Mm. The reason why I bring this up is because I am a sucker for a good Easter egg. And there is actually an Avatar Easter egg. In Netflix's The Dragon Prince, which is a show that uh, Avat- like one of the Avatar head writers had created. Um, and so one of the characters is reading Love Amongst the Dragons in one of those scenes. Oh, so, that's a fun cool. little Easter egg. And also Jack Decetta, a.k.a. the voice of Sokka, voices one of the main characters in that series as well. So that's not where all the Avatar stuff ends. Love that. Love so, that. Quick references. Very important to me. Anyway, back to the recap. The gang then arrive at the theater and sit in the nosebleeds. Uh, Toph can't see anything going on stage because there's, you know, they're up in the nosebleeds. So mm-hmm. it's funny just like hear, like watching her react to what she's hearing. Yeah. <laughs> so we essentially see a reenactment of the show so far. Uh, like, so there's not gonna be a lot of beat by beat of what's happening. We're just gonna go over the character reactions here. But before uh, we get into the story, the story that's being put on stage, I really want to do a quick rundown of all the camp voice cameos we see in this episode. Mm-hmm. Go for uh, it. Because there's a lot of them, and I think it's really cool. So, without further ado, we have Gray Delisle, who is Azula's voice actor, uh, who's playing Ember Island guitar in this episode. Love that. We've got Deep Bradley Baker, who has a million different roles, but he's also the voice actor for Momo and Appa. Uh, Chong from the Secret Tunnel episode and Councilman Tarlock from Legend of Korra. 
and a crap ton of other voices, including every voice from Clone Wars, every, every clone from Clone Wars, which I still, I'm going to say that every single time I mention D. Bradley Baker because it's so fucking cool. <laughs> anyway, he plays Ember Island, Boomy, Jet, and Ozai. Uh, John DiMaggio, who's best known for voicing uh, Bender from Futurama, plays uh, Ember Island, Toph, and Iroh. Love that. Uh, Derek Bosco, who is Dante Bosco, Zuko's voice actor's brother, and mm-hmm. he plays Ember Island Zuko. So basically, this entire episode is just him <laughs> making fun of his brother's character, and I love that. I did not know that. That's really cool. Fun facts. We love it, which makes it better. And then we have Rachel Dratch, a comedian from SNL and 30 Rock. I mean, just look up the look up her name because you know, everyone recognizes you her. You know who this recognize is. Recognize the name yeah. and just look her up. You will recognize she her. She has a very recognizable uh, face. <laughs> <laughs> she voices Ember Island Aang. And then we have Tara Strong, who her she's the voice actor of all of our childhoods. She's Timmy Turner from Fairly Odd Parents, Tommy from Rugrats. The list goes on forever. Mm-hmm. And she plays Ember Island Azula. Which is funny because Grey Delisle voices a character in Fairly Odd Parents. So it's like this weird. Yeah, she, she's Vicky. Yeah, yeah. So I love that. And then we have Jenny Kwan, who is Suki's voice actor. And she's pulling double duty in this episode by playing Ember Island Yue. Love so. that. <laughs> and yes, I did eat pickled fish. <laughs> So I weird. just think it's just so funny. It's so funny. It's so bad. It's so funny. Oh my god! So uh, the play starts, and they immediately like the gang already already has problems with it, especially Katara. Uh, you know, Katara is way more emotional, going on about hope and crying all the time. Yeah. Uh, Sokka tells bad jokes, and not the bad jokes. They're so bad. They're funny. It's just bad. Uh, and Aang is essentially Peter Pan because the, the actor who plays Aang in the show is. A woman. Yeah, I was gonna say as a as a theater lover, I really appreciated the real world parallels to how theater, maybe uh, like you know a couple decades ago, was how theater was like kind of done back then. Like you know the people all in black doing the things, like the puppets, everything. Yeah, yeah, that's that was really cool. I I referred to them as like stage ninjas, but they're the stage crew essentially. Yeah, yeah, essentially. (laughs) Oh my god. Uh, so yes, the jokes there of you know, they're reacting to the show just like how we reacted to uh, the live action movie that must be not be named. Toph, meanwhile, is having a blast. This is the best day ever. She gets to watch her friends get roasted on stage <laughs> by yeah. bad portrayals of them. Like, I just love Toph's reaction. That just makes me so happy just watching her mm-hmm. having a blast with this. Also, like, this is also really cool set design, I think, too. And also, like, the puppetry and all that stuff. Like, this is a cool production. The effects are decent. Else, but it sucks. <laughs> But yeah. the effects were decent. <laughs> yeah. I the whole time I was watching this, I was like, God, I would hate, I would hate to be in that theater. Three acts? No. You know they were in there for like five hours. Like I yeah. I cannot. <laughs> I always even because I've watched this episode so many times, I was like getting annoyed by the portions of the play that we were seeing. I'm like, oh my God, okay, all right. <laughs> the only part yeah. that I loved was um, Toph's sonic scream. (laughs) That was the funniest part of the episode. (laughs) And I I just love how, like, they don't know how Toph does it. And that was their first guess. That the sonic scream. They didn't consult an earthbender. They, you know, classic Fire Nation. They were just like, yeah, why not? Sonic scream. Let's go. Let's do it. (laughs) This is eerily similar to how Hollywood portrays people who are visually impaired or just disabled in general. They're like, yeah, they do this, right? They they just do this, this, and this. And it's always like, no, actually, we don't do that. You know, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Also, uh, I mean, yeah, like a lot of this, I've learned something new over the course of the pandemic with like teleparty, like what Netflix parties and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, I suffer from really bad secondhand embarrassment. Yes. So... I noticed that during watch parties, I would skip ahead 10 seconds and never an embarrassing moment comes up because mm-hmm. I just could not handle it. Yes. So this episode is very hard for me. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I had to watch the episode. I watched, I didn't skip. I didn't skip anything. I just watched it at a lower uh, volume so I wouldn't cringe as hard. <laughs> and I, I love, just, this isn't even like the community theater. This is like the Fire Nation National Theater in this giant like venue I'm yeah, just they, like, got, they got a budget. You could tell they got a budget. Yeah, a good budget. There's definitely budget there, but the budget is reflective of like a community theater budget. Like I, oh, and I also I want to point out the people that are on that poster 
I'm convinced that every single person on the stage, they went to like an understudy night because they do not like reflect any of the people that are actually on the poster. I think these are like all understudies. I think like it's intentionally meant to be extremely hammy. And also the poster, also the poster is the like cover for Avatar. Oh yeah, the the season like, one like po- like yeah, design. poster with like Zuko's mm-hmm. eyes and all that stuff. Yeah. With a scar Absolutely. on the wrong side. That seems like <laughs> such a, like an easy thing to like check, you know, like they just really well, did I mean, not care. Well, Zuko's, Zuko's been in exile for a long time. They probably wouldn't have a lot of pictures of him. That's Fire true. Nation. But then again, it's like, it's the Fire Nation really not knowing what their royal family looks like. <laughs> like yeah. if there's not a statue, they don't know. They don't know. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, we also, and also shout out to the the guy, the guy who's definitely underpaid and who's running the, like all the effects and stuff. Like shout out to him. <laughs> I, I have so many questions like does the fire nation have like you know like equity stuff for actors that do they have a sag aftra in the avatar universe <laughs> do they have like a do they have like what is it denny's or something or arby's like after, yeah. like a sh- after where do they the go show? for the post post show munchies like? yeah like where do they go <laughs> oh my god oh it's so funny Oh, and also, I love how they make a great divide reference. Like, it's like, yeah, you know, the biggest, like, canyon in, in the Earth Kingdom. Eh, let's just keep flying over it. Like, yeah, let's skip that. This is all the, this is all like the, I just love that, like, we get to see the creators of the show poke fun at their own creation. I love that shit. You know, I love what and, they like, do. And like the, the awareness, and also like the awareness of the fandom, too, because we see like the Zutara crap. We see mm-hmm. like the great divide reference, you know. Yeah. Like, and also we get a little bit of a taste of like what the world thinks of the gang. Like the, by the mm. world, I mean the Fire Nation a little bit, you know. It's it's just fun to see the the events of the first two seasons from a third person perspective of someone not involved in those events. Yeah. Yeah. Very inaccurate. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So act, uh, let's see, act one, I should say, ends with the season one finale and they have intermission. Uh, and the gang then collectively bitches about their portrayals and rightfully so. I mean, that would be kind of hard to watch if you are the person that's being made fun of on stage. I also love that they completely nixed General Zhao from just anything. <laughs> As as he should. He's been he he's been be. erased. I think, I mean, honestly, probably. He's probably like a like, like disgrace even in yeah. death. You know? Yeah. I think he I think even the Fire Nation, as as like genocidal as they are, I think even they know that you probably shouldn't kill the moon spirit, Zhao. Just don't just don't kill the moon, period. Like... Yeah. I think even they know how how stupid it's that like, is. Wait, I can I can excuse I can excuse the genocide of uh, an entire culture, but I draw the line at killing the moon. <laughs> <laughs> you can excuse genocide. <laughs> god. Oh my god. Anyway, uh, Act Two then begins with season two, and Ember Island Toph arrives, who's this gigantic buff dude. I mean, hey, if the if the Rock can't show up as uh like. The boulder in the WrestleMania episode. Mm. I want the rock to play top. Yeah. In the Ember yeah. players episode. Oh God. Uh, yeah. This delights Top. She is so excited about this. I'm like, gonna be really fucking mad if they cut this episode from the live action series. Oh come on. I, I can want, I want I get come on community theater. Let's do this. <laughs> I really think they're gonna do it. I don't I don't I don't know. I have a bad feeling. Yeah I'm gonna be sad. I I wouldn't be surprised. I think Netflix is probably gonna be like it just it just throws off the pacing of the finale. I'm like, I don't care. I want to see this. You <laughs> need a fun break. The humor is a big part of the show. This is a good episode for humor, even if I cringe the entire time. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Oh my god. Um, and also, this is a nod to Toph being originally being like a male character, like an older man being like for the original design for the character. So that's a, kind of a nice little nod to the original. Yeah, yeah. design for Toph. Um, also, I saw this post recently about the Ember Island players and like why Toph loves that de- loves like that depiction so much with like the buff dude playing Toph. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's kind of how she sees herself a little bit of this like wanting to see herself as this powerful person. Oh yeah. Uh, and when everyone else sees her as this fragile little girl, you know? Yeah, I mean because Unless they got her a bad side. <laughs> yeah, because I mean the reason people are so mad is because I mean, it's what Zuko said. It's like throwing all of my insecurities and mistakes right into my face. And it's the exact opposite for Toph. I'm like, oh my God, yes. This is exactly this is what I want. everything I wanted. Yeah. This is all I want. Um, 
And I mean, we see the Zutarek stuff happening, which I, it reminds me so much of my friend from high school about the Zutara stuff and like the, all of her ships were the exact same like yeah. story. And that just made, that just had a very knee jerk, angry reaction to me for me. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and it bothers, it bothered me. It bothers Ang enough to leave in the middle of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, like, we see, obviously, a little bit of bias going on on stage there. Like, especially Ira's line of, choose treachery. It's more fun. Like, I want that on a t-shirt. Yeah, I like, love that. Um, you have the stage ninjas. Uh, then Katara then leaves and finds Aang on the balcony where he's pissed at the portrayal. Uh, but mostly pissed at himself because, you know, because we see the season two finale play out. Mm-hmm. And we relive Aang getting shot down by Azula. Which was a, a uh, very uh, traumatic event for Aang, yes. Yeah. So it was obviously pretty traumatizing to rewatch and revisit. Um, so Aang then tells Katara that he hoped that they would be together romantically after the invasion. And Katara tells him that she's confused and that now is not the right time for them. Mm-hmm. Aang then kisses her, but she gets upset and heads back into the theater, which... Good to see that they you know that they portray like you know Aang kind of being in the wrong, making the wrong. Oh, very her, much in the wrong. You know? Yeah, the timing's just, just off. Good. The consent. timing's terrible. Yeah, consent exactly. <laughs> consent, guys, but <sighs> yeah, it's not something to cancel Aang over. Okay. Well, yeah, but words mean things, guys. But I also I think this is the first time we we even mentioned that um, Aang had that expectation of well we kiss so we should be together. Yeah, which is a very twelve year old you know mindset to think. Sure, but but yeah, I don't know. I've yeah I've seen lots of um people's feelings about this specific scene and i'm like guys it's it's not it's not sexual assault i'll say it it's not yeah it's clearly exactly words mean things guys but also like you know also the show clearly portrays ang in the wrong here so it shows kids that it's not a good thing to do you know it is it a breach of consent yeah is it sexual assault i'm gonna no, no it's not it's fucking no i just hate i hate that shit because it just it detracts from the actual, re- like, important conversations about sexual assault. You know, I like, yeah, I just, exactly, that, that's why I exactly. hate it. I don't hate it because it's my avatar. Don't touch it. It's, it's just, I don't, I, I'm just, not, just not about that. Yeah, but, exactly. But yeah, yeah, Aang is definitely in the wrong here, you know? And it also, I mean, he did this on the day of the invasion and it worked out fine. So of course he's going to think that, you know, if he does it again, like, oh, she'll, you know, Come on, but that, that's not, you know, that's not how yeah. it works, you know. That's not how it works, guys. And it's really, it's yeah, it was really important for the show to show that, yeah, Aang should not have done that, that he was in the wrong. Yep. You exactly. Know? Uh, this, the back over something a little funnier, like Sokka asked Suki to help her, help him get backstage so he could meet his actor. Uh, <laughs> and like, Suki's like, I have like an elite warrior trained, like, you know, being stealthy and, you know, all that stuff, like, you know, like using my power, like ability to be stealthy and all that stuff. I could totally get you backstage. I just love how she like you like she played with that expectation. That was just made me laugh. Yeah, wanted to point that out real quick. Yeah, um, they leave, leaving Zuko and Toph alone. And Zuko is clearly still bothered by the show, seeing his mistakes getting thrown back in his face. Um, but Toph has a sweet moment with him where she tells him that she actually met Iroh, and that's Zuko is all he would talk about, uh, and that. Iroh adores Zuko and wants him to choose his own way. And then she says affection by like slugging him in the arm, which. Oh, this is actually a really cute moment. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. They just have like they, like it's just sweet. I just I, I just want to appreciate the sweet moments. Okay, like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course, we get the iconic the scar is not on the wrong side. <laughs> Sokka then meets his actor and offers up some better jokes for him to use. The show starts up again with Act Three, uh, and Angry joins the group as the invasion recreation happens, where Sokka's actor finally decides to, decides to use some of Sokka's notes. Uh, which he's delighted, Sokka's delighted by this. Like, yeah. Oh my God. The invasion happens on stage as the present arrives with the arrival of the comet. Ember Island Zuko and Azula have their own Agni Kai on stage. Zuko dies in the final honor. Like, <laughs> and everyone's looking at Zuko like, <laughs> it's but like side eyeing him. Part, I forgot to mention this in the earlier part where, like, you know, how could you say something like that? And then oh, on stage, yeah. how could you say something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That underrated—that's an underrated moment there. Um, then during Ember Island, Ang and Ozai's duel, Ang gets killed off on stage, and it's met with applause from the audience and horror from the gang. Mm-hmm. They then leave the show and immediately start shitting on it. The effects were decent, at least. <laughs> yeah. So 
And that kind of ends the episode with them just being like, well, this place sucks. That was not fun to watch. Let's go home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that's the end of our recap for this episode. A final moment of reprieve before the four-part finale. Yeah. All right. So let's get into our Azula bell counter. Um, We had two bells that we heard in 316, the Southern Raiders, uh, and none for 317. So let's give it up for two Azula bells. Which leaves our Azula bell counter at 53. I kind of wish they had a, uh, I got some derivative of the Azula Bell in the show. What do you mean? Like, like, you know, like in the uh, M. Rylan players, like, oh, that I oh, wish there oh, was like some it. sort of like derivative of the bell. Well, there like, is a, there is a moment um, when it like switches to uh, Iroh and Zuko and you hear the Fire Nation theme, um, which okay. is the second time you actually hear it like in the the world of the show. So I'm just like convinced mm-hmm. that the Fire Nation has written its own theme (laughs) yeah yeah and with that emotional whiplash let's move on over to fandom corner uh so this is more of a funnier take on what happened in the southern raiders episode because let's face it we need to laugh about something today yeah uh so it's a screenshot from the episode of ang Ang says uh 50 bucks says that you won't kill him and i'll be right about forgiveness and then it has the spongebob Time card, of a SpongeBob title card of a few moments later, and then it's and then it's the end of the episode, and Ang's like, "All right, pay up." <laughs> <laughs> the screenshots that they decided to use are just really funny. It just works. It works. Got so, it. little chuckle there. Hope y'all enjoyed that. Let's move on to recommendations for the week. Cool. Um, I'm gonna recommend that everyone listen to the gay Christmas playlist that me and my boyfriend made. Um, <laughs> we're gonna put the link in the description and tell us what's the name of it. Oh, it's slay 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 but it's like the christmas slay um <laughs> that's important i had i had, I had it's very I had important to mention it's that. very important yeah it's still a work in progress but yeah it's it's available if you want to listen to it they'll put that link in the description of the episode if you want to take a listen so what's like the what's like the overview for like this gay christmas playlist like is it a little bit of classic christmas a little bit of new christmas stuff what's what's going on with it well my philosophy with christmas music is that you need variety so you got your classic Bing Crosby, um, you know, Frank Sinatra. And then you got your Ariana Grande. You got your Kelly there Clarkson. You, you got your Pentatonix. There's, There's a lot of, it's a, it's definitely a mix. Um, I think that's pretty balanced in my opinion. For yeah. It's not, it, I wouldn't say it's great for like a, um, maybe like a Christmas party because like some of the classic Christmas songs are very like low key and kind of sleepy. Um, yeah. But definitely like just as you're going about doing Christmas things this month, I think. Yeah, decorating um, your house, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's definitely made for for stuff like that, like Christmas activities. So, well, yeah. Nice. Awesome. Well, mine is not Christmas themed at all, but it is something that my brother Robert got me hooked on over Thanksgiving break. And I'm angry that he did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hate I hate that he's right, that it's so good. But I highly recommend watching Arcane on Netflix. It's a League of Legends. It's inspired by the game League of Legends. You don't need to know the video game to understand what's going on in Arcane. Okay, I good. can tell you that because I've never played a game of League of Legends in my fucking life. Didn't know any of the characters. But it has no right being as good as it is. Mm, like, okay. it is... Honestly, one of the best animated shows that's come out this year. Period. I've had two and of I my friends s- tell me that I need to watch it. So I I, I don't say that lightly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like the characters are awesome. There's like, you know, the world building, the animation, like it's just, it's so good. I can't, I don't want to say any more about like the, pl- I don't want to say anything about the plot or whatever, just because there's just so much going on, but in a good way, it's just all woven together so well. It's very character driven, like character Mm. choices drive the plot. Uh, And like, you know, every action has an impact later and you realize it. There's plenty of like, you know, things that you didn't realize were being set up in the first few episodes. Like, Mm. oh, it's so good. And also it's pretty queer, too. They're setting up uh, two of the main female leads together. And like, it's pretty overt, too. It's not just, you know, that's good. Subtle. Like she's straight up like, you know. One of the characters straight up like kind of pins the other girl against the wall and is like, you know, so what will it be, man or woman? Like referring to us and she's like, likes girls or guys. Like it, you'll see the context in that episode, but it's just gay shit. It's good gay shit. Love I'm that. so excited for season two. And I can't believe I have to wait forever until the next one because there's no news on when it's cut, when season two is coming out, but they're currently working on it right now. So gotcha. go check out Arcane. I need more people to talk about it with. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> cool. 
And as always, if you'd like some extra Avatar Hour in your life, subscribe to our exclusive Patreon at patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast. If you got benefits like access to our show notes, you can see the beautiful cover of the Korra comic uh, that we were talking about earlier in this episode, or just Google it yourself. I, I'm trying to sell it here. Uh, <laughs> we also have our ad-free Avatar Hour, and of course, our flagship benefit, the Avatar After Hour, where we react to different things, like we just did a, one about a Ranker article about things that should be put in the Avatar studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should also we also have an episode ranking Halloween costumes this past year. Uh, we have an t- Avatar TikTok episode. It's, it's good. We have a good time with that. Yeah. So check that out on our Patreon. Uh, you can subscribe for as little as $1 a month or as much as $5 a month. So, And if you want your voice to make a special appearance on the show, feel free to record your theories or any feedback about the show on the Voice Memo app on your phone and email them over to theavatarhourpodcast.gmail.com. You can also follow us on social media on Twitter at Avatar Hour and at the Avatar Hour Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. That's also a great way to get fandom corner stuff over to us or just generally share your thoughts about our podcast and any theories, all that good stuff. Where we like we said at the beginning of the show, we are so happy to hear from you from all of you whenever you send us a message or an email. It really it means a lot to us. Yeah. And um, stay tuned this week for a special bonus episode that has not been announced. Um, Surprise. We won't say anything about it, but just stay tuned for that. It's, that'll Gosh, be coming gosh. out um, in the next couple of days. But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Until then, my name is Andre. And I'm Kayla. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.